Thank you for checking out the messages of New Grace. We are a group of believers in Roanoke, Virginia, who are dedicated to loving God, loving others, and serving others. We hope that today's message is a blessing to you and your family. Rest of you, get your Bibles open to Ephesians chapter number five. Ephesians chapter number five. <clears throat> We began a series several weeks ago looking at the person of the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit is one of the most misunderstood and misused uh, characters in Scripture and in Christianity. But the, the Holy Spirit, he's, he's more than just a character in the Bible. He is part of the Trinity. He is the, the third part of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But even, even saying it like that, that he's the third part of the Trinity, it kind of makes him appear like he's the low man on the totem pole of power. Like it's got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is as much God as God the Father is. He's as much God as God the Son is. He has as much power as much position and as much authority as God the Father and God the Son. The Spirit is a person that we can interact with, we can talk to, we can get comfort from, we can get wisdom from, we can have power from. And Jesus, we saw last week that Jesus, while he was on earth, a majority of the time he operated in the power of the Spirit. He, he was still God. He never stopped being God. Jesus, when he was born of a virgin, he didn't give up his godness. He continued to be God, but he willingly limited himself to his God power so he could show us what a life lived in the power of the Spirit looked like. So he limited his access to God. He operated out of the Spirit so that we could see what's available to us. Now, we have, as children of God, as believers, we have the same power living inside of us that Jesus had while he was on earth. And today we're going to talk about kind of a controversial topic in Christianity, kind of a misunderstood topic. We're going to talk about the filling of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's, it's, it's interesting that a lot of people get divided upon the filling of the Holy Spirit when you talk about it, because the Holy Spirit was not meant to divide Christians, it was meant to unite us. And most of the time, people who disagree, they're talking about the same thing, they're just using different terminology or, or understanding it in a different way. But understanding this topic, understanding the filling of the Holy Spirit is the difference between a mundane spiritual life and a spiritual life that overflows with joy and power and usefulness for the kingdom of God. And I don't know about y'all, but I could use more joy in my life. I could use more of God's power in my life. I could use more of God's wisdom in my life. And so what we're looking at today is going to help us get that. So get your Bibles open to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse number 18. The Bible says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. 
giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So in these verses, we see three things that Paul teaches us about the Holy Spirit. First thing we're going to look at is, number one, what is the filling of the Holy Spirit? What does the filling of the Holy Spirit mean? Now, when Paul says, be filled with the Spirit, he uses an interesting Greek word. He uses the Greek word, plerao. It literally means to be permeated with, to have something control every aspect of your life. The same Greek word was used in Luke chapter 4, verse 28, when it says, and all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. They were so angry at the teaching that Jesus was teaching them that their anger permeated every part of their life. They were controlled by it. Have you ever been so mad? Maybe at a spouse, maybe at a child, maybe at a coworker, maybe that guy that cut you off in traffic, but you were so angry, it just consumed you. That's all you could think about was how mad you were about something. Or maybe you've been hurt by someone. You've been filled with pain that just overtakes your body. And the hurt that you're dealing with is, is all you can think about. It's all you can handle. It's all you can focus on because the hurt is so deep. And you can't, you can't think of anything else. It consumes you. That's the idea that Paul has given us when he says be filled with the Spirit. Paul contrasts this, this filling or this being controlled by the Spirit with being drunk. He says, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. Now, Paul could have used any analogy to contrast a life controlled by the Spirit and a life controlled by the flesh. He could have used be not, you know, prescription drugs. He could have used pornography. He could have used, uh, uh, um, I got it written down here, food. He could have used shopping. He could have used wrong relationships. He could have used anything. And the idea he's given here is do not allow anything to control your life except the Spirit of God. When you're drunk or when you're focused on these other things, when you allow anything else to control you, it consumes all of you. You're filled with it. You're controlled with it. It affects every area of your life and your actions and your thoughts. Every part of you is affected by what is controlling you. It has permeated every part of your life. It's everywhere in you. I'll give you an example. I don't usually have milk and chocolate milk up here, but I got an example for you today. All right, so we all, we all like milk, right? Anyone not like milk? Eli's weird. And we know you are too. All right, so most of us like milk. And so, you know, you put some chocolate in the chocolate milk, you got to put a lot, right? That's what makes good chocolate milk. So, yeah, this is good chocolate milk here. Then you stir it up. It's thick on the bottom. All right, now, how much of this milk is chocolate? Every single bit of it. 
the chocolate, and no matter how much you put in there, you can put a little bit in there and have a little bit of chocolate milk. You can put a lot in there. You can keep putting chocolate in there until it becomes, you know, dark, really, really dark, and it's always going to be permeated by that chocolate, and you cannot get that chocolate out of it. You let it sit here for a while, the chocolate's not going to settle. It's part of the milk now. It has controlled every part of that glass of milk. And that's the idea that Paul is giving. Too many of us allow other things besides the Spirit of God to control our life. And when we do, it takes over every part of our life. So Paul's saying, don't allow other things to permeate your life or take over your life or control your life but allow the Spirit of God, and the Holy Spirit is represented by chocolate right now because he's sweet and good, amen? Allow the Holy Spirit of God to permeate and control every aspect of your life. To be filled with the Spirit is when the Spirit takes up full residence in your life and you are living under the control of him. And talking about being filled with the Spirit again, Paul uses being drunk with wine, and he uses that because there's some, some similarities and some differences in a life that is controlled by alcohol. An alcoholic, someone who's a drunk all the time, someone who allows this to, to control their life in every area of it. And again, you could use anything. Maybe your thing is food. Maybe your thing is shopping. Maybe your thing is, is video games or whatever your thing is. What, when that controls your life, there's some similarities and differences between that and being filled by the Spirit. So how are they similar? Well, first of all, these things, they captivate your body, controls your thinking, controls your responses. Alcohol, it causes you to do things that you wouldn't normally do. It causes things that, and you know, again, it's anything, it, it causes things that normally bother you to not bother you. You know, your thing becomes shopping, suddenly thousands of dollars of credit card debt don't bother you when it used to. Or things that didn't bother you, suddenly now they do bother you. It removes your inhibitions. One of the things that you would never say or do before, you suddenly find yourself saying and doing these things. Being filled with the Spirit does the same thing. It removes your inhibitions. We see that throughout the book of Acts. We see believers who are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. They have incredible boldness and courage to go out and witness for God. We see Peter who the night before Jesus' crucifixion denied Jesus three times and cursed and swore so that people wouldn't believe he was a Christian. We see him on the day of Pentecost standing up and boldly proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. We see him standing before the Sanhedrin, the people he ran from the night before the crucifixion, standing before these religious leaders and boldly preaching that Jesus is the Messiah. We see Stephen, he boldly preaches before a crowd that is so hostile they end up killing him. But his boldness for the Spirit allows him to do things he normally wouldn't do. The entire church was so bold in the preaching that the Bible says that the people marveled as they listened to them. The Spirit captivates your body and affects your thinking. It controls your spirits. When you're filled with the Spirit, you act and think and respond in a way that's not natural to your flesh. 
it causes things that normally bother you, normally don't bother you, to start bothering you. It causes things that typically do bother you to not bother you anymore. Movies or shows that didn't bother you, suddenly they do because of the language or the nudity or the graphic violence in it or the message in them. Maybe people talking about God used to bother you and irritate you, but now you find yourself talking about Jesus all the time and what he's done in your life. When you're filled with the Spirit, it controls every aspect of your life. You are full of his message and his plan. Paul says, so that's how they're similar, but how are they different? Paul says that alcohol makes you lose control of yourself in a way that's sinful. He says, be not drunk with wine, we're in excess. That Greek word means asetero, and it speaks about a, uh, an abandoned man or a riotous life. It is a life that is controlled by anything other than the Holy Spirit. So Paul is contrasting a life of being controlled or being led by the Spirit to a life that is controlled or led by anything else. And it's a life that is known for or marked by anything besides the Spirit of God. He told them that when they are abusing the Lord's Supper and getting drunk, that it was confusing. You know, alcohol changes how you behave, not in a good way. Paul spoke to the Corinthian church about this. He writes to the Corinthian church because they're abusing the Lord's Supper and they're kind of making a mockery of it. And there are people getting drunk in the church because of it. And there are people kind of ridiculing others who don't have enough money. And Paul says, you're, you're not filled with the Spirit. You're filled with yourself. And when non-believers come in, you're confusing them because they see this church that is bickering and fighting and not doing what God's called them them to do. When the Spirit is controlling you, your actions will be different. But they won't be sinful, they won't be wicked, and they won't be confusing. They'll be Christ-honoring. You'll be displaying the fruits of the Spirit, not the works of the flesh. See, these other things, they, they deaden you to reality. People use all kinds of things to dull the pain of their life. They use alcohol, they use drugs, they use relationships, they use video games, they use, they use anything to just escape the pain they're facing and try to deaden the pain of their life that they're facing. But to dull the pain, you have to dull everything. And you can't select one part of your brain and turn it off. You, you have to dull everything. And the spirit... It doesn't deaden you or dull you, it, it makes you more alive. It doesn't dull you to the reality you're facing, it makes you alive to the work of God. Look at the passage, look at the verses leading up to these, this uh, verse we read in Ephesians chapter 5. Look at verse number 15. Paul says, See then, that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time for the days of evil, Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So Paul, before he leads up to talking about being filled with the Spirit, he says, be careful, be wise, understand what is happening. Remember when Elijah was surrounded by the Syrian army? We talked about it several weeks ago. The Syrian army comes to surround him, and his servant goes out one morning, and he sees the people surround him, and he's scared because all he sees is the enemy. All he sees is a trouble. And Elisha goes out there. And Elisha doesn't pray, God, just, just dull his senses so he doesn't know what's going on. 
Just make him unaware of the danger he's in. No, he goes, open his eyes to the reality of God. And he sees the armies of God surrounding them and protecting them. Life is painful. And numbing yourself doesn't help anyone, especially you. God's Spirit, it gives us hope that, we, that lifts us above the pain. It doesn't take away the pain, but it empowers us to get through it. In 2 Corinthians 6, Paul says this. He says that we are sorrowful, yet always rejoicing as poor, yet making many rich, and as having nothing, and yet possessing all things. The fullness of the Spirit lets you see the wisdom of God's plan within the pain even when you don't understand it. It lets you taste the sweetness of God's presence when the cup of, of life that you have is bitter. So it, what, that, what is the filling of the Spirit? Number two, let's see, when are we filled with the Spirit? When are we filled with the Spirit? Now, one of the greatest things about the Greek language is the, the nuances of its verbs. You know, the English language is, is one of the hardest languages to, to learn because it's, 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 it's quite stupid. You know, read and lead rhyme, and read and lead rhyme, but read and lead don't rhyme, and read and lead don't rhyme, and they're spelled the exact same way. But that's the English language. But Greek has a wonderful kind of nuance about it. One of the, one, and, and this verb here, to be filled, is in the present passive tense. That means that it is a continuous action that the hearer is the recipient of. So it can literally be translated, be, be, be being continually filled. Be constantly filled with the Spirit. It's something that happens in the life of a believer over and over and over and over again in their relationship with Christ. Now, there are two different types of Holy Spirit filling that the believer experiences, and a lot of people get them confused. The first one is the baptism of the Spirit. We see this throughout the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 12 says, For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we are Jews or Gentiles, whether we are slaves or free, and we have all been made to drink of one Spirit. In Ephesians 1.13, In him also... After hearing the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and having, after believing in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. If you, are, if you are saved, you have the Holy Spirit living and abiding inside of you. We are saved by the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Paul says it pretty simply in Romans 8 9. He says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. Now, if any man does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Paul says pretty clearly, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not a child of God. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you are not saved. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit that happens at salvation. But there's also the filling of the Holy Spirit. There's one baptism, many fillings. We are filled with the Holy Spirit throughout our spiritual lives at times when we need it. Every time you need to know God more, he, can, he fills you with the Holy Spirit. 
Every time you need power for his mission or power to overcome temptation or power to be able to show people the love of God and spread the gospel, you are filled with the Holy Spirit so that God can use you. You don't have to worry if you have the Holy Spirit if you're a Christian. If you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit. The question you have to worry about is are you constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit? Christ has given us the power for eternity through the Spirit when he died and rose again to redeem us to God the Father. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us, but we need to be filled with the Spirit throughout our lives or yield to him so he can use us for his honor and glory. So we see what, the Holy, what, uh, what is the filling of the Spirit? When are we filled with the Spirit? And thirdly, how are we filled with the Spirit? Look at what verse 18 ends with. It says, And be not drunk with wine when it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And then what's that thing right after that word? It's a semicolon. Means the thought's not over. Means there's still more to come. It's a continuing thought. So now Paul's going to tell us how we are filled with the Spirit. Look what he says in verse number 19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. He says, how are you filled with the Spirit? By singing, by making melody, by giving thanks, by submitting one to another. And here's the thing, that is the cause of being filled with the Spirit. That's what we do to be filled with the Spirit, but that's also the result of our life when we are filled with the Spirit. What exactly does verse 19 mean when he talks about speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs? means that every time we meet each other, we have to sing Amazing Grace to each other? Hey, Daryl, Amazing Grace. No. He doesn't mean we start singing every time we, we see each other. <clears throat> when speaking to each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, what are you focused on? We come together and worship, and we sing our songs, and we read the words, and we're praising God. And we're singing him. Or maybe when you're at home and you've got Spirit FM on or you've got some gospel music playing and you're singing along or you're driving down the road or you're singing along or you're, you're reading the Psalms and you're, you're, you're hearing about how God has blessed David and his spear, his strength and his shield and his refuge. When, when we're doing all those things, what are we focused on? We're focused on God. We're focused on the gospel. We're focused on Jesus and his work for our salvation. We're focused on his death, his burial, his resurrection for our sins. And as we dwell on the gospel, as we dwell on what Jesus has done for us, as we dwell on his salvation for us, we are filled with the Spirit. And when you're filled with the Spirit, you dwell on the gospel. The gospel is the news about your sin, that you are wicked, you're powerless, you are dead in your transgressions and you had no hope. You were a child of wrath, but God loved you so much that he came and died in your place and rose again to redeem you to him. 
It's the news that based on his merits and nothing else, you are a child of God and not a child of wrath. And as we dwell on that, we're filled with the Spirit of God. And as we're filled with the Spirit of God, we begin to dwell on that even more. You know, the reason some of us can't be filled with the Spirit is because we're too focused on ourselves. We're not focused on Him. We're focused, we want people to see how, how great we are, how powerful we are, instead of showing out how, off how great He is. And it's the same for all the rest. As we give thanks to God for all things, we're filled with the Spirit. And as we're filled with the Spirit, we continue to give thanks to God for all things. As we submit to each other, we are filled with the Spirit. And as we're filled with the Spirit, we are more likely to submit to each other in all things and in Christian love. That's how we are filled. But there's an, an opposite side of that. You can resist the filling of the Holy Spirit. How? Well, Paul gives us a couple ways. First of all, he goes, we can resist the Holy Spirit by quenching the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, quench not the Spirit. And we're not going to read that for a sake of time. You can jot it down and read it later. But in the verses before that, Paul tells us how we quench the Spirit. That's like putting out the Spirit of God in your life and just kind of extinguishing a candle. He says, we quench the Spirit by not warning those who we think are in spiritual danger. You think a brother or sister in Christ is in spiritual danger? As a child of God, as a brother and sister, it's your responsibility to go to them and try to warn them or try to see what's going on. You know what's not your responsibility? To go to everybody else and say, yeah, they're going to mess up. It's your responsibility to go to them and say, hey, I'm worried about you. I'm praying about you. And to sit back and not do anything, we quench the Spirit of God by not supporting the weak. By looking down on believers who may not be as strong in Christ as us and not helping them and not strengthening them and not encouraging them, by not having patience, by trying to, to seek revenge when someone hurts you, by not rejoicing, by not praying, by not giving thanks to God for everything he's done, we extinguish the work of the Spirit in our life. We can resist him by quenching him. But then we can also resist him by grieving him. Ephesians 4.30 says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit. Now the word grieve here is, 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 a, is a word that is associated with love. You can frustrate an enemy, but you grieve a loved one. Charles Spurgeon says this, we'll put it up on the screen. He says, there is something very touching about this admonition, grieve not the Spirit of God. It does not say do not make him angry. A more delicate and tender term is used, grieve him not. Grief is a sweet combination of anger and love. It is anger, but all the gall is taken from it. Love sweetens the anger and turns the edge of it, not against a person, but against the offense. When I commit any offense, some friend who hath put little but little patience suddenly snaps asunder his forbearance and is angry with me. The same offense is observed by a loving father, and he is grieved. There is anger in his bosom, but he is angry, and he sins not. For he is angry against my sin, 
and yet there is love to neutralize and modify the anger towards me. Instead of wishing me ill as the punishment of my sin, he looks upon my sin itself as being the ill. He grieves to think that I am already injured from the fact that I have already sinned. So we can quench the Holy Spirit, extinguish it, but then we can grieve the Holy Spirit. How do we grieve the Holy Spirit? We, we grieve the Holy Spirit when we sin and we refuse to seek his forgiveness. We refuse to try to restore that relationship with God. When the Holy Spirit, when we sin and the Holy Spirit pricks our conscience and says, you shouldn't have said that, or you shouldn't have gone there, or you shouldn't have watched that, or you shouldn't have whatever, and we ignore the Holy Spirit and continue to do what we want to do, we grieve the Holy Spirit. Again, Paul tells us how in Ephesians 4, verses 25 through 32. Let's look at that, uh, because it's just one page back. <clears throat> Ephesians 5, I'm sorry, 4, starting in verse number 25. He says, wherefore, put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are all members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not your sin go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that, steal, that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that he may minister grace to the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby we are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. When we sin, when we gossip, when we criticize his brothers as his children, when we hold on to anger and don't forgive those who have hurt us, when we allow bitterness to come over our life, we grieve the Holy Spirit. As a believer, you have the Holy Spirit of God in you but he wants to fill you constantly throughout your life to help you and use you. But you can resist his filling. You can quench his work and you can quench his voice in your life. You can grieve him and hurt him and not be filled. I'll close with this. Theologian Charles Ryrie said this. He said the solution to the problems of the church today is to solve the individual Christian's problem. And the solution to these problems is a person, the Holy Spirit. He is the antidote for every error, the power for every weakness, the victory for every defeat, and the answer for every need. And he is available to every believer, for he lives in his heart and life. The answer and the power have already been given to us in the power of the Holy Spirit. As a child of God, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You have access to all the power that Christ had. But you need to constantly be filled to accomplish his mission. To draw closer to him. To overcome the trials and temptations of life. So as we close, I simply ask one question. Are you being filled with the Holy Spirit or are you quenching or grieving the Spirit of God? 
have a blessed day.